0: From New York City, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and some of you may recognize this little tune as from the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. That one has never been as popular as the Christmas special, and there's a reason. But the soundtrack is almost as exquisite. There's that Vince Guaraldi music, and of course, I'm playing that because it's Thanksgiving. Down here in the valley. And, you know, if you're trying to find Thanksgiving music that really sort of hits the spot, for me, that's it. Listen to those angular chords. It sounds to me probably for reasons that are not shared with anybody else as autumn, because it kind of connotes the snap in the air. It also sounds kind of like, actually... The theme song from She's Gotta Have It. Spike Lee is now making that wonderful movie into a series. For those of you who remember the movie, remember that song in it with that angular melody? Same thing. Anyway, it's Thanksgiving down here in the valley. And, you know, as we eat that increasingly antiquated meal, I'm sure that a lot of you, if you're like me, find yourself wondering, where did the names for all these things come from. Certainly, that's what you're thinking while you're talking with your relatives about this and that. And so, of course, this episode of Lexicon Valley is going to give us a sense of what the words that we use for all those substances that we consume during Thanksgiving are based on. And so, for example, let's kick it off with this tune. That is something that a very few of you might recognize as something that pops up on Looney Tunes soundtracks occasionally. And as it happens, that tune is called Twilight in Turkey, because, of course, we're going to start with turkey. Turkey's an odd word. You know, why is it called that? It's not onomatopoeic. It's not like turkey, turkey, turkey. That's not where it comes from. And so why is it called a turkey? Kind of a weird word. There are many things that you might call it. If you speak any other languages, then you know that it kind of shouldn't be called a turkey. Where'd that come from? Well, actually, as it happens, it has this weird, twisted history where that kind of bird originally was imported from Africa. Some people say Madagascar. I'm not sure why. But Africa, way down in there, through Turkey. So it was imported through what we now know as Turkey and beyond, the whole Ottoman Empire, really, into Europe. And so, in some places, the bird was known as the turkey because it was from Turkey. Now, then, the American bird is actually something that the Aztecs had domesticated, but the conquistadors took it back to Spain, and then it was taken to other parts of Europe, and people assume that that bird was this same bird that had been being imported through Turkey and thereabouts before. And so that thing that we eat, that big bird that's challenging to make genuinely good, we call it a turkey because of chance circumstances having to do with Europe in the 16th century. That's why that bird is referred to by the name of a country that Frankly, today, God bless Turkey, but it's no longer associated with anything like the Ottoman Empire or other empires that Turkic-speaking people were associated with. We think of Turkey as a certain country in the Middle East, one of many. It's almost as if that bird were called a a Lebanon or a United Arab Emirates, but instead it's called a turkey. And it's funny, words for turkey tend to be a little odd. So, for example, obviously in Turkey... They didn't call the bird a turkey that came from somewhere else. They thought of it as coming from India, because some of them did. And so in Turkish, it was a Hindi. And that, by chance, is what the French picked up on. And so if you think about it, the word for turkey in French is not le turkey or something like that. It's that word dinde. So d-i-n-d-e. That's odd. That doesn't go back to some Latin word dindus or something like that. That is de And so from Indy, as in from Indies, as in that confusion between the Indies and India. So it's a from India bird. That's what this dand is. You never know what these does. Remember that time that George W. Bush said that John Kerry looked French and you kind of knew what Bush meant, whatever, you know, the motivations behind him saying that were. Have you ever noticed that Walt Disney looked French too and not Just because of the mustache. Take away the mustache. I'm sure you've all got the face of Walt Disney plastered in your minds. Take away the mustache. He still looks French. And part of the reason must have been that there's a place in France, Isigny. If you're from it, then you are de Isigny. And so you are Disney, Disney, Disney. That's where that name comes from. Thank you, Brett, for putting me onto that. And therefore, Disney is one of those words. So Dand is from the Indies. Disney is from some little place called Isingyi. But Turkey is called Turkey because of people happening to associate a particular difficult-to-make-good bird with Turkey and the Turkish Empire. And now here we are stuck with it. And frankly, when I hear the word Turkey, I don't think of the country immediately. I think of that big, giant bird. Now... It's time to move on to some prints, just because it always should be. Yeah, I had a girlfriend once who didn't like Prince. It's always nice that time passes. Here we go. She wore a Beret. The kind find in a that is a pop song of symphonic magnificence. And part of it's because it's a poem, Raspberry Beret. What? Can you imagine coming up with that? That's the nature of genius. You're writing a song. Frankly, if you're going to sit down and write a song for the pop market, it might as well be something called, like, Let's Do It Again. Just sing Let's Do It Again, Let's Do It Again over and over and never specify what it is and everybody knows. Instead, he came up with this tale about somebody being seduced in a beret that's raspberry colored. Never explains why raspberry, but it seems to fit with him. Raspberry. Let's think about the word raspberry. Why ras? You know what a berry is, but ras, and if you know how it's spelled rasp, there's nothing raspy about a raspberry. They're quite soft. Frankly, they go too soft after about a day and a half. Raspberry? What's that? You just kind of say it and there you go. It's kind of like with cranberry. What's cran about it? Here's this berry. What kind of berry is it? It's the cran kind. How does it cran? What is cranning anyway? And some smart people have figured out that it actually refers to cranes, but frankly that's one of those who care sorts of things we never encounter cranes and really cran. It's just kind of there. It's just this bit of stuff. It's this piece of silly putty that got lost and you find it, you know, under a table or something like that. That has a name. It's called a cranberry morpheme in linguistics. And cranberry just happens to be what has provided the name. But cranberry morpheme is a bit of meaning that doesn't have any. So cranberry, we know what a berry is. It's yummy. A cran, well, you just have to live with it. Just like with raspberry, Raz, we don't know what it is and we have other things to do. Strawberry, what's straw about it? Now, people have ventured that It's because strawberries grow better on straw, but do they? I mean, I've grown them in my backyard on grass. You can probably grow them on your foot. They don't grow better on straw. That's something somebody made up. It's a strawberry for some reason that's probably irrecoverable, And here we are. But just think of it. Now, when you think of the straw and strawberry, it makes you hungry because strawberries are so good. Much better on the West Coast, by the way. Ever since I moved to New York about 15 years ago, one thing I have never stopped missing other than human weather is that strawberries out there are better. Even at the most highfalutin event in New York City, when they serve strawberries, they typically taste like your arm. It's not like on the West Coast. That's one thing California has going for it but in any case cranberry morphemes are everywhere so for example you can commit an error you can permit something you can submit to something that you probably don't like or maybe you do you can transmit what's mit other than a failed presidential candidate what's what's mit you can't mit something And we don't think about it. Now, if you put all those words together, you can probably glean that mit has something to do with putting or maybe even moving something. But there's no word mit. And that means that mit is another one of these cranberry morphemes. Or you can receive. You can conceive. You can perceive. You can deceive. What's sieve? It's just nothing. And so cranberry morphemes are not always about berries. It's not always the first part of the word. Sometimes it's a whole verb. What is sieve? You know, I think right now I'm going to sit down and have myself a cup of tea and get down to some sieving. Notice that that can't be said, and I take it from me, nobody has ever been able to say that. It's just kind of there, and we're stuck with it. Ah, twilight. At Thanksgiving, typically, you've already had your food, and nobody has started talking about the president yet. That's the good time. Twilight. So, ah, but what's twi? You ever think about that? Boy, this light sure is Twy. I like it this way. Not, nothing can be Twy. It's just kind of there, and you associate it with that dark blue and having a big belly and feeling kind of nice. You know, the kids are still up. But really, it's a cranberry morphine. Our lives are full of them. And so you could say something like, the girl with the raspberry beret received a kiss in the twilight. However, she ended up lukewarm. The gentleman's ministrations were a tad inept. Well... Okay. Raspberry beret. What's Raz about it? Who knows? She received a kiss. Sieve. She received it. Apparently it happened twice. But what exactly was it? We don't know what sieve is. A kiss in the twilight. Again, what was twy about it? However, she ended up lukewarm. Luke. What's, what's that? You don't talk about anything being luke cool or luke cold. You don't talk about a party being luke lit. What's luke? It's only with lukewarm, and we don't think about it because language is just Marvy that way. The gentleman's ministrations, <laughs> I don't know why I'm using that word, were a tad inept. Okay, but has anybody said, goodness, you're ept at that? There's no ept; It's just inept. Cranberries, again, they are not only on your table at Thanksgiving. That's why we're talking about cranberry morphemes in case that didn't come through. But it's in your life. Cranberries are in your voice. It is in your bed. It is in your you, because languages are full of cranberry morphemes. As we transition to Nat King Cole, and no, it's not going to be Frim Fram sauce, because that would be too easy. Listen to his piano. He started out as a pianist. I was walking along, minding my business, when out of an orange-colored sky... Flash! The good sound! The you came by. I was So, why did I play that one? Well, for one thing, because it's a dandy little song, but also the word orange, news. because... Flash! You know how Thanksgiving is the traditional meal? There's generally, it's either sweet potatoes or... More often than not, in my experience, it's squash. Somebody makes some squash, and it's that orange kind, whatever kind that is, and then somebody sticks marshmallows on it or something. But it's that orange squash that you usually don't eat at other times of the year. That orange squash. Orange. Funny word, orange. You know, if you were an old English speaker, then if you wanted to refer to something as orange, as often as not, you said yellow, red. Or if you really wanted to be specific, you said saffron. There was no orange orange word. Interesting. We have orange from French, and it's neat where that came from. So, go back to Persian, and the word is narang. Go back to Arabic and naranj. Okay, so next thing you know, because Arabic transfers so many words to Spanish because of a certain Moorish relationship, so you've got algebra and alcohol, and you've got the naranja. So if you've learned Spanish, you know that orange is naranja. And deep in the recesses of your brain, you think that word seems kind of like orange, but what's that little diddly end doing up front? Then you move on to you know learning other things, but naranja. Well, that naranja word was also present in, for example, French and Italian. You have something like n'orange in French, and you had something like naranja in Italian. Well, in one of those languages, nobody's sure which, an interesting thing happens. So let's do it in French, because more of us probably know French. So you've got this orange. Suppose you're going to say un orange, or maybe une n'orange. Well, say that enough, and especially if you're dealing with a mainly illiterate society, then what starts out as in orange is going to start sounding to many people like in orange. And, you know, why not? If most people aren't writing, language changes in the normal way. Next thing you know, what was an orange, so to speak, is an orange orange. And that's where orange came from. That's what English borrowed. And so that's why we have an orange instead of an orange. And that process, that business with the N and the indefinite article happened a lot of times. It creates all sorts of things. So for example, if you listen to this show, then you might be a cruciverbalist, a crossword puzzle person. And if you are, then you know how sometimes they stick in that, that little word f and so it'll say something like, disgusting thing that slithers through the weeds. And it's like E, T, and you know to put the F in EFT. Except for those of us who study such things, that's the only time we think about an EFT. Well, then think about the word newt, which is similarly disgusting and slithery. Newt. Now, take the W and make it a V, because you know there's always a kind of a synergy between V and W. A nevd. Neft. There's a relationship there. It's not an accident that you have nefts and EFTs. Originally, it was an EFT. An Eft, but it's easy to hear that as a neft, and then neft becomes newt over time. So, that same sort of thing happened. It used to be that if you cut little pieces out of something, you were making otches. So, two otches in a stick. Or if there was only one, then you had an otch or a notch, that sort of thing. So, orange is from that kind of process. You just never know. In a way, it should be, if we're going to be very, very creative with the notion of our shoulds, it should be orange. In other words, it's based on a mistake. It's the uh, mistakes are what language is all about. Squash is cute in that way, too. That actually comes from a word used by the Native Americans, who were the original inhabitants of the region, that Europeans came and occupied themselves – and squash comes from a word that was actually you can you know people not even trying to pronounce the original version. This is what it is to be an American, it's what it is to be a person, really but a skuta squash. And what that meant was thing that can be eaten green. And I wonder about that. Were the Native Americans really eating squash raw? They knew how to cook things. Ascuta squash. That meant thing that you can eat green. And it's interesting, the sh was a plural. Ending. So that meant several of these askutasquas, basically. Suckatash. Suckatash originally was plural, and so the sh was a plural ending. And it, you know, it wasn't sucka. It was miska, approximately miskatash. And so people listened to miskatash and they just thought, ah, oh, yeah, miska, uh, sucka. So miska goes to sucka. Suckatash. That is what happened to that poor word sucka. I'm going to get you. Sucka. See how I'm doing a transition? And then that gets me to thinking of good black pop. Good black pop means that now I'm going to play this. Whoa. Oh, mercy, mercy me. Oh, things and what they used to. <laughs> Marvin Gaye, Mercy, Mercy Me, and that kind of opening. Dun, 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 dun. There is such complexity and wonder just in the first 30 seconds of that. First of all, try to pick out the instrumentation. What instruments are playing? And then who thought of that? You know, it's one thing to write down the lyrics. It's one thing to have a melody. Who thought of it sounding like that? You know, really, I mean, it's rather forced that I go from squash to Marvin Gaye. But I just wanted to put that in there because that sound like Thanksgiving, makes me nostalgic because that is the way black pop radio sounded when I was seven and eight years old and being driven around Philadelphia, listening to WHAT and WDAS by my parents, usually my mother, usually in Mount Airy, Germantown, Sheltonham, or East Oakland. And so when I hear that, I just think of being eight. It's before puberty. I didn't have any problems. Everything was perfect. It was always sunny. And there was Marvin Gaye. So more to the point, we have to get back to these mistakes. Marvin Gaye was not a mistake. Language is a mistake. What about the pumpkin? Because you have to have the pumpkin pie. And, you know, pumpkin goes back to a word that was pumpian. Back in the 1500s, pumpion. And that was from a French word, pompon. And that was from a Greek. It it doesn't matter. But basically, pumpkin. Now, where do we get the pumpkin? Just because somebody started... Saying it that way, I mean, frankly, you know, okay, there's a pumpkin. Mommy, mommy, pumpian. You know that that squash probably always appealed to children. It's orange. It's got the ridges. Some of them are small. You can hold them. And so people like their pumpians, and you just know that somebody is going to call it a pumpkin. And because that sounds cute, next thing you know, everybody's calling it a pumpkin. And so it just starts with some sort of distortion, like hamburger. Hamburger starts out as hamburg Err steak, so a kind of steak associated with that lovely German town of Hamburg. Now, because a Hamburg err steak is made of meat, if you're in a hurry, you might think, well, it's something made of ham. Although, you know, nobody makes patties of ham, to my knowledge, but something made of ham. And so it's a ham, and then burger must be the other part, and so that means some round disc of meat. So, burger. George Washington wouldn't have known what you meant by asking to eat a burger, or he would have thought that you wanted to consume a plump, german middle class man he wouldn't have known what that meant that idea of a burger being such that you can talk about a fish burger etc that's technically a mistake cybervision cyberspace cyber is a mistake it should be cybern originally the word was kybernetes steersman from greek and so it's cybern- so cybernetics, but then people thought, well, okay, it's the netics, and then they took off cyber without the N. They left a part on there, like when you grab a grasshopper from a branch too quickly and one of its legs sticks onto it. That's the only thing I could think of. But you ended up leaving the N. And so cyber, cybervision, cyberspace, technically, that's just a mistake. So we have to embrace the dishevelment. Green bean salad. <laughs> Unfortunately, have to talk about that. Green beans, mushroom soup, and fried effing onions. If one must, let's think about the mushrooms. That's another one of those things if we're going to talk about mistakes. French, Michon. Nice kind of word, michelon. And it's, French is a tonal language, so of course it has to be said that way. And so English speakers hear Moucheron. Oh, well, I guess it just must be mushroom. Mushroom, yeah. And so there you go. And so mushroom. What's that? You know, it's not mushy, and it has nothing to do with a room. But, you know, we just couldn't be bothered with mushroom, and so it becomes mushroom. And people put mushrooms on steak often. I associate it with the Eisenhower era, but then I imagine it continues. And so, you know, thinking about steak, here is an adorable little song. This is sung by the woman who played Sarah Brown in the original production of Me and Juliet. And it's about what used to be called dating. You were shy and uncertain, but he pleads and you yield. And you don't have an inkling that you're signed and sealed. By merely telling someone you'd be glad to partake of French fried potatoes and a T-bone steak, that's the way that's the way it happens that's the way it happens. to me isn't that just a cute little song that actually that's bad rogers and hammerstein they had shows that you've never heard of they weren't always hits One of the reasons that that show didn't work is because it went from something that apple-cheeked innocent to somebody trying to kill somebody. Very peculiar musical. I wouldn't hunt it down. But that is a cute little song that's from me and Juliet. French fried potatoes. Well, unless something's odd, you don't usually have French fried potatoes at Thanksgiving. But you are going to have the mashed potatoes, which is one of my favorite things. And you know what? There's a lesson in mash, and I'm going to go at it indirectly because I want it to land in a certain way. Here's how it goes the word mash started as mask. Now, as time went by, there were two things that could happen to mask either it became max in some places, or in other places, it became mash. Mash won out. There was a word fisk, it referred to something that swims around in the water. Fisk. In some places, That became fix. In other places, that became fish. Fish won out. Okay. There was a word, ask. And these things changed through time. In some places, it became axe. In other places, like the Midlands and in the southwest of England, it became ash. There's a chance element to these things, as we heard last week. And when it came to ask, in more places, axe want out. Now, there were places that had ash, but in terms of who happened to wind up in the United States where there were Africans working in bondage near them, it was people who said axe. Hence, that is why colloquial black speech so often has axe. And it's because there can be a word ask that as time goes by can become either axe or ash and Axe happened to win out in a great many places. Ask happened to be preserved in the standard. That's the way the ball bounces. But that means that when you hear a black American or a white Southerner saying axe, it's not that they're somehow challenged and they just can't get the consonants right. It's because there's variation. And axe is what black English formed amidst. It's really one of those perfectly natural sorts of things. And here we are, by the way, with... um. Mashed potatoes, I have a recommendation, tarragon, not just butter. A lot of recipes will tell you to use fresh black pepper, and that's important too. Tarragon, if you want to watch the eyebrows go up and have people order more than one helping of your mashed potatoes, put tarragon in. And not just a little, really make tarragon part of the experience. I kind of cheated you by giving you me and Juliet. For the potatoes I know what you really want And you know I do too Because it's better Here's your mashed potatoes It's with the contours So do you love me? I have no idea But I'm sure you love this song about our big word. So Thanksgiving, somebody might write in and ask. Some people have actually asked me before, why do some people say Thanksgiving? My mother did, actually. Thanksgiving. Now, you know what I'm going to say, but I'm actually not going to say it. It's not the backshift in this case, because if you think about it, Thanksgiving is what it would originally have been. A million people line New York streets to see the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade with a series of enormous inflated figures representing famous historical and screen personalities. So, for example, almsgiving. Nobody says almsgiving. It's It's almsgiving. Or, for example, here's a hamper. You're going to put clothes in it. I don't know what else you put in it. Oh, yeah, there's the clothes hamper. No, clothes hamper. So, if you're giving thanks, if you're really thinking about what Thanksgiving was supposedly about, yeah thankful that the lord put us here thankful that the native americans taught us how to plant fish heads in the ground whatever it was that they taught them then what you would say is thanksgiving we're going to indulge in the thanksgiving not the thanksgiving so we can be pretty sure that originally it was well here we are going to pray squanto taught us corn i'm trying to remember what the history was cuz thanksgiving was actually born amidst a lot of horrible things but Corn, and the Lord put us here on this land where we can have a theocracy. We are indulging in thanksgiving. Now, what happened, really, if you ask me? And I am flying a little bit blind here, but thanksgiving? That comes from the fact that it's said so often that we forget that it's supposed to be about thanks at all. And I'll openly admit that for me, thanksgiving is about, one, increasingly peculiar food, two, family, and three, the airport. That's what Thanksgiving is about for me. It is not about giving thanks to anything except the person who succeeded in making that turkey good. And hopefully they put tarragon in the mashed potatoes. It is not about thanks. It's about not having enough pants and being somewhere else and eating the food and cousin whatever. That's what Thanksgiving is. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And so you forget about the thanks. And so it ends up shifting because accent ends up shifting all over the place anyway. So Thanksgiving is what Roger Williams would have said. Thanksgiving is something that probably would have happened later. And so it's one of these things where what seems normal now is actually the derived condition. Join us for the great American Thanksgiving Day tradition. The streets of New York City are lined with millions of spectators, and holiday cheer is in the air. A celebration filled with is A weird analogy. You want to have an analogy that doesn't quite work? Well, I'm going to give you one right now that you've paid for. So, for example, you know those pods... The honey locust tree, those black long pods that you find on the ground in some places that are full of seeds that are kind of lined out like peas. And if they're nice and dry, you can shake it like a rattle. And I'll bet Native Americans use them as rattles. It's those honey locust pods and they'll just be all over the ground. You open it up and it smells vaguely like peanut butter or just some kind of crappy butter. Those pods, they're laying there. And so you kind of think, well... It must have been that since the dawn of time, there's this tree that drops these big, long, brown, smelly pods all over the ground. And that's just what it does. And, well, somehow the seeds must rot out of there. But you know what? They don't. They don't, actually. It's extremely inefficient. What kind of way to propagate Yourself, is it to drop leathery pods on the ground that the seeds can't get out of? That's not the original situation. What it really is, is that those pods were designed so that big giant mammals of the kind that you enjoy by reading certain books now would eat those pods and, shall we say, excrete them, and their guts would take care of that pod thing. And then when these animals left their whatevers on the ground, then the seeds would melt into the ground, and you would get new honey locust trees. Homo sapiens exterminated all those fascinatingly large mammals that there used to be. Mammoths, the size of trees. There were sloths, the size of small countries. There were beavers that were the size of cars. Only that last one is actually true. But mammals tended to be really big. I mean the size of a car. There were beavers that could eat you. And so that was normal. Those sorts of creatures would eat those pods. Now, they're all gone, but the honey locusts haven't been able to change fast enough, and so there are these pods sitting on the ground. And so today's situation is derived. Thanksgiving is derived from what would originally have been Thanksgiving. Anyway, because I know you wanted it to be the backshift, and I want to illustrate the backshift with a song, all I can think of is a largely forgotten Broadway song called Step to the Rear. Alex Borilski, this is for you, folks. This is from How Now, Dow Jones. <laughs> Kindly step to the rear and let a winner leave the way. Here's where we separate the duck from the quack, the A's from the plaque. the pips from the McIntosh. He's back in the crew. And Alex, as you know, I've always hated that song. And so I would like to change it to what we started out with. Let's go back to that, that Charlie Brown music. You can reach us at lexiconvalley at slate.com. That's lexiconvalley at slate.com. To listen to past shows and subscribe, or just to reach out, go to slate.com slash lexiconvalley. This show was edited as always, and thank you to Mike Volo. Happy Thanksgiving. If Then is a podcast about technology, society, and power. Each week, Slate's April Glazer and Will Aremus take you on a lively tour of the tech news that actually matters. From fake news in your Facebook feed, to the algorithms that want your job, to the Uber drivers who want a job with benefits. With news-making interviews of key tech industry figures, fascinating academics, and top tech journalists, they explore not only how the technology that's shaping our world works, but the ideas, ideologies, incentives, and biases that underlie it. And guess what? They don't always agree. Every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.